Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. I have my co-host, Mike, back with me. Go ahead. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? It's been a I while. Was, I missed what you. What the fuck were you doing? I was, I, was, I was adjusting my mics. That way I'd be a little bit closer, you know? So that way it sounded okay. a little more intimate, but I don't think sure. it came across that way. It sounded like you opened a bag of Doritos, which also is a high possibility, so that's what I was checking. <laughs> I wouldn't mind opening a bag of Doritos right now because those sound really damn good. All right, but so we got Mike back with us. Uh, we actually just recorded an episode for the Just to, uh, Just Pews podcast uh, between myself, uh, Eric Nelson from Nelson Gunsmithing, and Mike. Uh, so check that out. It is everywhere except for Google Podcasts. Correct, Mike? It's actually, I think it might be on Google Podcasts. I'm not 100% certain yet. I still need to sign in and confirm whether or not that is the case. So check out that uh, recent episode. It was in regards to self-defense shootings. Uh, pretty good roundtable discussion there. So check it, it out. It really was. It was unfortunate yeah. that Cole wasn't able to make it on. I know, right? All his damn kids. Uh, but that is, that you know, shit happens, you know. Uh, so anyway, let's go ahead and get into the intro so we can go ahead and start getting into the main segment. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. That is the best way for you to get updated when there are new podcasts coming out. Also, if you can, leave us a review. Uh, the offer still stands. If somebody leaves us a review, they will get a sticker. Uh, a little special holographic to a lifestyle sticker. Uh, it's better than a kick in the ass. So just go ahead and knock it out. Uh, steal your, your friend's phone, your parent's phone, whatever it may be, uh, and leave us a review. Hell, go ahead and subscribe to us. They, they probably won't even notice. So go ahead and do that. You get a free sticker. Can't uh, confirm that that sticker is better than a swift kick in the ass. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, yeah, so we're still at uh, 22... Uh, uh, ratings, I guess you could say, uh, 4.6 out of five. Those are rookie numbers, folks. We could we could bump that up. So go ahead, go to iTunes. You know, and I say go to iTunes because iTunes is the only podcast subscription platform that you can actually. Well, I take that back. No Podbean, you can leave a, a review, um, but leave us a review on iTunes. It's still kind of the the goat on podcast platforms. Uh, you know, may not be the best. It's not the best in my opinion, honestly. But, you know, it's what kind of people rate podcasts at. So go ahead, leave us a review on iTunes. You'll get a sticker. Uh, also, go ahead and check us out on social media. We are on everywhere at 2alifestyle.com. I am fresh back from a week-long band, um, and it's insane. I am fully complying with community guidelines, and I have submit, uh, what is it, appeals to the Oversight Review Board on both of them. Uh, but both of those appeals have just disappeared. They did not give me a decision. They just disappeared. So fuck you, Zuckerberg. Um, also, go ahead and check out our Patreon. We are, uh, you know, anything you guys give us for the Patreon, any as little as a dollar a month, it greatly helps this podcast. It pays for the, uh, you know, the platform subscription. It pays for uh, SHOT Show coming up. You know, I am going to SHOT Show, so be getting some good content from there. Hopefully get some good guests for the show. So be looking for that. And anything you guys give us on Patreon is greatly appreciated. Um, we are going to be doing another podcast on the weeks that we're off. And what we'll probably do is maybe give a little 10 to 15 minute teaser for everyone, but the full uh, the full podcast is going to be available to those on the Patreon. And you know, this podcast is kind of more about news and information, uh, what's going on in the gun community. 
that next podcast is going to be just kind of more of like a roundtable discussion. If you kind of see what it's about, uh, check out the Just Pews podcast where uh, me, Mike, and Eric kind of sat down and had a roundtable discussion. It's going to kind of be more of that platform. Uh, so be very, uh, you know, very interested, very excited, looking forward to that. Uh, Mike is probably going to be going on me with that and also some people from the Meme Lord uh, group chat, anybody that wants to hop on whenever we do those. So definitely going to have some incentives now for our Patreon subscribers. So be looking forward to that. Subscribe to us on Patreon to not miss out on that. Also, go ahead and check us out on JustPews.com. That's where you can see our bio. Uh, You can also get the uh, podcast episodes on there. You can also check out articles that are written by myself, Mike, and other people from the JustPews network. And Mike, where they can get you at? They can find me on Instagram as TatCatActual, and if they want to follow Just Pews, they can find Just Pews on Instagram and Facebook as Just Pews, and they can also go check out YouTube. We do have a channel now. Uh, the URL isn't unique, but just look for Just Pews and then find the icon that has camo in it, and that's probably us. All right, and with that, let's go ahead and get into the main segment of the show. The first thing we're going to talk about, obviously, is going to be the shooting sports. Uh, The Olympics are done, but there are still plenty of shooting sports going around. Uh, Team Six, and this actually comes to us from Ameland, Team Six, Daniel Horner wins first ever CompX Marksmanship Cup. Uh, And this was happened in 2021, obviously, this year. So, you know, it's not like old news, Uh, but it's a CompX Marksmanship Cup. Uh, It occur, you know, it happened at the, it's, Part of the USSL Multigun Championship, which is a component of Compex Marksmanship, uh, Horner used his uh, P320 X5 Legion with iron sights. His uh, also used a six-hour M400 competition rifle, uh, and he also used the six-hour cross bolt action rifle. So it's kind of like a three-gun. Uh, looks like it's you know pistol, uh, a uh, piston gun and a bolt action gun so it's kind of an interesting like three gun mix in there i thought that was kind of cool uh so that's going to be happening uh again you know next year and i'm trying to see where it's at it's in colorado grand junction colorado so uh that's cool and that's that's a unique take on on three gun mike that's pretty interesting what you think it really is an interesting take. Unfortunately, I don't know too much about three gun other than you need to have a rifle, uh, a semi-automatic rifle, a shotgun, and a bolt action. Typically, no. Normally, no. three guns they have shotguns. So that's why I was shotgun. saying it's kind of a unique oh. take on the three gun. So, and oh, so and he's using shotgun. a bolt action. You said yes. So he had like a semi-automatic rifle, a bolt action rifle, and a handgun. Interesting. Yeah, that is that is a very interesting take. It's very more marksmanship oriented i could tell you know what is a complex marksmanship so you know yeah. very more marksmanship oriented so that, that's that's interesting and it's the first ever uh you know competition of this kind is what it's talking about in the article it's the first time they've had it so it's that is a very interesting competition in my mind it really is and it's going to be interesting to see what else happens with or what bolt actions end up showing up especially with the remington 700 kind of being the staple bolt action for however long it's been the staple 
Well, you know, there's also many other great bolt actions, especially when you start looking at the per, you know, the customized ones. Uh, obviously, he shoots right. with Team Sig, so Sig has you know super high speed bolt actions. Kimber has super high speed bolt actions. Um, you know, there there are some other you know, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Not Tika. Tika has some some really good bolt actions. How is supposed uh, to have some good ones too? From yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say how as well. Uh, yeah. You know, Remington 700 was kind of like the the base that everybody built on for years. Um, right, but once right. Remington kind of started taking a nosedive, once it was bought out by what was it like Great American Outdoors? Yeah, uh, it was a few years back. Out. Yeah, there's a couple of companies that bid into it. Yeah, well, and I'm talking about before they even went bankrupt. Uh, you know, oh, a while back when wasn't QC it Vista really Outdoors? Yes, it was. It was yeah. something like it was either Great American Doors or Vista Outdoors, yeah, um, but you know that's when you started even having you know a lot of problems with the Remington 700. Hell, you were even having problems with like the 870 uh, shotgun. Which how can you fuck up a pump? But you know they right. found ways. So uh, that is very peculiar, uh, in my opinion. You know I definitely see what you're talking about, uh, but I'm wondering on whether uh, you know this kind of competition is going to take off because uh, you know. What was it like? PRS had a piston division, and then they got rid of it, and then that's where uh, Ash from uh, uh, Knight's Armament uh, started up Quantified Performance, and he started having his own, uh, you know, competition every year in uh, the arena in Georgia. You know, we went out, we covered it, we had Ash on the on the podcast. Uh, it's a really awesome competition. But it's interesting to see more of that type of competition involving piston guns or, you know, modern semi-automatic rifles get into the, to the, uh, the fray there. Right. And I think it'll be interesting, like, seeing what, what this competition ends up driving in terms of product uh, development. Because one of the things in terms of bolt actions that I really like to see make a comeback, even though I understand why they haven't, is a straight pullback design like the K11. Yeah. It'd be really cool to see like a modern K11 chambered in like 308 or something that's going to be used for competitions. Yeah, that would be interesting. We're going into the next uh, and final team uh, shooting sports uh, article. This comes to us from Amland as well, and the title of it is Team Ruger Scores a Winning Weekend Across Country. Uh, now, this is literally called Winning Weekend Across Country. Uh, it is the kind of competition, and uh, a Randy Rogers, Dave Alhasso, James McGinty, and Maggie Reese Voik. I don't know. It's V O I G T. That sounds Polish. You got any guesses? I have not a clue. I mean, dude, like, if she was Polish and that was her last name, and I, you know, I'm a Polak, I wouldn't even try guessing it. And that's just because Polish last names can be so excruciatingly painful to pronounce. Anyway, but yeah, so all three of them won their divisions. Um, uh, Randy Rogers cast, captured the ESP division titles as well as the High Lady at the Georgia State IDPA Championship at the Riverbend Georgia Club in Dawsonville, Georgia. Uh, she used a Ruger Custom SR 1911, and Dave and James both walked away with divisional wins in the New England Regional I Corps Championship held at the Water Valley Fishing Game in Albany. Uh, and then also uh, Dave scored first place in the Limited 6 Division. Uh, he was using a GP100 6-inch revolver chambered in 357-38 Special. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. I bet he probably used 38 Special, but that'd be even more badass if he used 357 to win it. 
It definitely would be. I am kind of mad with Ruger though right now because they did get rid of that rail 1911 that they were producing, and that really? was actually good. Yeah, I've been over on their website. I cannot find it, and it was the only, uh, in my opinion, decent budgetish 1911 there was on the market. Dude, for some reason, I was having um, just. I guess you could say wanting to purchase a Rock Rock Island 1911 this this week, just because I was look like they just came out with something I can't remember what it was, and uh, I saw it and I was like, oh that's cool, and then I started looking at more of their 1911s, like oh that's cool, and then I just like left the tabs open on my work computer, and every time I sat down at my office desk and I just like opened up internet browser, they were still there, and I was like, oh those do look pretty cool, but like I finally closed them and and then the the feeling went away. Yeah, I was. I did that same exact thing with their 1911s. It's like, you know, I don't really want one for carry. I just want to want one to putz around with. And it's like, I should probably put that six hundred dollars into something else. Yeah, you know, like Rock Island's got the nine millimeter 1911 that holds seventeen. They got the forty five that holds fourteen. And I was just like, oh, you know, that's that's pretty nice. And it is. Can't forget the twenty two TCM. Yeah, that that's true. Interesting. Hey. It is interesting. You know, a lot of people uh, give it shit, but it is interesting. Yeah, it's basically a 5.7 for poor people. Well, it. you know what? Don't hassle the pores, man. The pores need something every now and then. They, they need a little know. bread. I, they I need know. a little bread. I know. Well, let's go on into the next topic. And both of these articles, uh, one comes from Firearms News and the other one comes from Ameland. Uh, the one from Firearms News is titled Gun Sites Buzz Mills Resigns from NRA Board. And the one from Ameland is titled As Houston Convention Looms, Three NRA Directors Leave More to Follow? Question mark. So what happened is I can't I actually don't even think we covered this on the podcast, which I'm a little little sad that we did um or did not i should say but ted nugent uh he was on the nra board of directors um a lot of people gave him shit because he was just kind of you know uh uh celebrity on there and it's not like he really did anything uh but you know our buddy um ron and then also andy uh who actually used to work for the nra and he's part of save the second um, or I think he still is. He at least he used to be. I know for sure he was. Uh, you know, they met Ted, and they, you know, they both said Ted is like, you know, he's a lot more active than what people think, and he actually was very concerned about what was going on at the NRA with Wayne Lapierre, and obviously he, you know, stood up for his principles and said, "Fuck it, I'm not going to stand around here and be complacent," and he just left. Uh, and now, wow. Um, Owen Buzz Mills, who is the owner of Gunsight, which is kind of like the OG training for firearms training in America. Uh, they are still highly popular, and they operated at like a Louisiana, uh, was it Arizona or Nevada, something somewhere out west around there. And uh, he has resigned, along with uh, NRA stalwart actress Susan Howard. They have all stepped down from the NRA board of directors, which is crazy because, you know, there's 76 uh, directors, uh, board of directors for the NRA. And since all this has gone down, I think close to 10 has resigned. And, you know, they have, what, what happens is, you know, when a board of director resigns before the next election, uh, they go down. All right. Like who was number 77 in the votes? And like a couple of those people have passed over getting appointed, including, um, Adam Kraut, uh, and then you Wait, know, Adam Kraut said no. Yeah, this happened, I think, last year, the year before. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he, he's kind of he's kind of given up on him. Uh, he's I don't blame all, him. 
Yeah, he's really kind of put don't. all of his stuff, all of his chips, uh, go, you know, towards FPC, which, you know, who can blame him there? FPC is doing amazing work. Um, yeah. So, you know, they're just, they're just going down the list. And, all you know, when you start kind of ringing the bottom of the barrel of people that, you know, hardly got any votes for the NRA Board of Directors, uh, and you have these big names resigning, you know, these people that are pretty big in the gun community. You know, Owen Mills, like, that is no... You know, Huckleberry Finn, you know, like no fucking no name person, you know, out there. And of course, Ted Nugent, Ted Nugent's got his own fucking line of ammo. You know, he's had that show for a little, you know, a little while. Uh, he, he's done tons of work for the NRA, you know, especially uh, Friends of the NRA. He's donated tons of shit to Friends of the NRA, which, you know, they auction and they raise money for the shooting sports uh, to have these people resign and especially just ahead of their 150th anniversary uh, NRA annual meeting in the 1st of September, like the first week of September, that is huge. And I'm, I think this is spelling big trouble for the NRA, especially with what's going on with the bankruptcy hearings out of New York and what's going on with Wayne LaPierre. Uh, you know, I'm telling you, I, am, I, I'm, I think we could no longer have NRA in five years, I truly do. What yeah, you I think? mean, it's, it's. I think we're heading in that direction. I think what we're seeing is is the the very first end to one of the biggest. Uh, I know it's a nonprofit, but the big com- the first downfall of a gigantic company that we've seen in a long time. And I think we're seeing how slowly, like if Walmart was to shut down, I think we're seeing how slow that death would be, and we're seeing it with the NRA. I think the NRA might eventually, like right at the end, as a Hail Mary, finally divide into a couple of different factions, for lack of better terminology, and focus in on different things. But I don't think we will have an NRA, like you said, in like f- about five years. I would be surprised if we get to 2025 and have an NRA still. Yeah, and I mean, you know... Uh, what has come out with Owen Mills uh, resigning uh, is that he has stated that in June he's asked the leadership if they've been notified by their insurer, which is the Lloyds of London, that the insurance for the directors and officers insurance would not be renewed. And he got no answer. It's not like they told him yes. It's not like they told him no. They just didn't even bother to fucking answer him. And he had been on, he's been on the board of directors for over a dozen years. And the fact that you know he's not even getting clear, you know, answers from the leadership of the NRA, that's when he got the fuck out. Yeah, which I mean, that's what they all should be doing. And if if they aren't getting clear answers, they either need to band together and get new leadership. Because I'm sure there's I'm sure there's rules in in the handbook that state that a handful of the board members can get together and push everyone out of office. There almost it, has to be. It is wild. I mean, just the fact that. They are letting that organization just just crumble to pieces and disintegrate so quickly for how big it was, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, 10 years ago, the NRA was bigger than it has ever been in its history. And Wayne LaPierre has just completely decimated that organization just by, you know, that growth and that power, just allowing it to go to his head and line his pockets and just let it just fall apart like that. That is just absolute insanity in my mind. It, it's it, it, I'm the same exact way. I cannot believe how how it, bas- it didn't go zero to sixty real fast. 
But it was such a gradual increase, you know. And nobody tried to stop and go, hey, this should not be going on. They just stood there as like, okay, yeah, this is perfectly fine. It's like that dog in the burning building meme. This is fine. Oh, yeah. This is fine. Everything's great. But, I mean, honestly, like, if you look since, I mean, 2019 when this podcast first started, that's when the big uh, Washington, was it Washington Post or Washington Times article came out? And since then, it is to this. You know, 2019, like, it wasn't the firebrand it was because they had Trump in office and they thought they could just coast and, and you know, not have to do anything. And, and firearms, honestly, firearms owners in general were the same way. And just fucking crash and burn, man. Crash and fucking burn. It is insane in the last two years how much the NRA has gone downhill. And I, I know some, some politicians that are humongous Second Amendment support. And they themselves have said, you know, I got a lifetime membership. I give money to the NRA every year. But... I am giving up my lifetime membership and I'm, you know, and these are politicians, uh, you know, so it's not like little 20, $50 checks. I'm sure they're probably sending, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to the NRA every year. They are sending that money to, you know, and they, they even come up and ask me cause they know I'm the gun guy. They say like, Hey, you know, we've heard about what's going on in the NRA. We don't think we need to give our money to them anymore. Where do you think we should send our money? I said, GOA, FPC, and then Bama Carry, the state organization. I said that's who you need to give you know your money to. I yep. said preferably, you know, FPC and in that order too, exactly. FPC, GOA, Bama Carry. That's what I say. In the state of Alabama, give your money to. Well, if there ain't no thoughts on that, Mike, let's go on into the next article. This comes to us from usnews.com. Uh, the title of it is Gun Rights Group Aims to Give Firearms Lessons to Four Thousand Women. And I thought this was great. Uh, this is in Detroit. Uh, Detroit is holding its annual free firearm shooting lessons for women. Uh, it is the Legally Armed uh, is the organization in Detroit. The Rick uh, Ector is the founder, and he says he hopes to provide lessons to 4,000 women. The lessons will include firearm instructor safety briefing, use of firearm, ammunition, and range time. No prior firearms training or experience is required. Uh, the free lessons have been offered for a decade, and so far he said 50 women received training in the first year, and more than 1,900 participated last year. That shit is awesome. I'm telling you. It really you. is. And that's a lot of people that are going to be getting training, which is fantastic. Yeah, that is great, especially in Detroit, man, like a place where there's tons of gun crime. Uh, the state politicians, you know, don't aren't very gun friendly. Uh, that you need that kind of grassroots work done there yeah you definitely a whole there needs to be a whole bunch of work to be done or needs to yeah uh, words work needs to be done in detroit to get it looking better because right now there's only very small areas of the city that actually look kind of hospitable the rest of it looks oh, almost D like detroit you can't looks, live there yeah detroit looks horrible man it really does and i i absolutely hate driving through that city like i thought i complain about indiana's potholes Indiana's potholes haven't got shit on Detroit's potholes, let me tell you. Yeah, I can only imagine, dude. Well, this next article is tragic, uh, and but I thought it was interesting to put in here just because of the fact that many uh, gun control advocates in the United States like to look at you know England and Australia as models for gun control and to see how you know oh there's no gun crime there uh you know well if you haven't been paying attention 
this past week, and this comes to us from CNN.com. The title of it is Victims Identified After Five Killed in Rare Mass Shooting in England. Uh, now, obviously, there's not supposed to be any guns in England. The only thing that's supposed to be allowed there, I think, are like, you know, not even pump shotguns, but regular uh, break shotguns. Uh, that's the only thing that's allowed there, I believe. Uh, but again, this person, I'm not going to give his name because fuck him. Uh, he's 22 years old. Uh, and obviously this was a family thing because it listed his 51 year old mother as one of the victims, but it also, uh, killed somebody as young as three, which is absolutely fucking tragic. But, you know, it just goes to show that it doesn't matter what kind of gun laws you have in place. It takes an evil person with evil intentions to commit evil acts. And really does. they're going to do that with a firearm they're going to do that with a blade. They're going to do that with whatever the hell they can get their hands on. And obviously, England is supposed to have, you know, no civilian ownership of guns. Fuck, even the police don't have guns. You know, if you talk to police over there, the police that actually do carry guns, because there are armed police officers in England, uh, they don't even own the guns and get to bring them home. They go to an armory every day, and they're issued the, the firearms. And then they got to turn them into the armory at the end of every shift. So, you know, England is supposed to be basically a gun-free country, but it doesn't fucking matter. You know, evil people are going to find ways to do harm if they have evil intentions. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you're going to do to be able to stop evil people, and it doesn't matter what regulations you have in place. What's wild to me is, like, I haven't looked into this case at all, but from just from what you're saying, it almost sounds like it's an Amityville situation kind of, sort of. Yeah, and it's saying it's in Plymouth, which if you think of, you know, the the island of, of Great Britain, uh, you know, you got England to the far bottom right. Uh, Plymouth is on the far bottom left. So it's just outside of Plymouth. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know fucking if that's like the podunks of, of England. I don't know, but that's where it was on the map. Yeah, I, have I was no gonna... idea how how their layout is or where the poor people live, but I mean it's the UK, and I mean morally they're all poor, but uh, we won't get into that. Fuck, I was what was I watching? I was watching something, and it had a bunch of English people on there, and I was like, God, English people just seem fucked up. Like I don't know if it's the lack of vitamin D or is it their <laughs> their appet like their their dietitian you know the dietary habits, but just they looked odd it was they really look dead that's what oh, it is man. they look dead it was so odd i was like damn man like wh why would you fuck man go outside and, and get some sun or something shit it doesn't it doesn't have they don't have sunny days what are you talking about it rains like 364 days of the year there shit son you can stand under a uv light man like i know fucking people that go to tanning beds even though the sun's bright as fuck as hell here in alabama so basically what you're saying is English people need to live like they're in Siberia and just have UV lights in their home. If that's what it takes, vitamin D is fucking crucial to the human body. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you aren't wrong. I'm just saying, I, but they still look dead. It doesn't matter. They look And they butcher their own language. That's my favorite part. They butcher their favorite language, or their own language, sorry. Gosh, man, I, I wish I could remember what the fuck it was. So if you saw it, you could be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. They look horrible look awful anyway uh going into the next article comes to us from amaland title of it is los angeles police department selects the fn f09 mrd le as the new duty pistol i am very curious about this so uh they're going to be 
they have roughly 10,000 uniformed officers, uh, and they have chosen this as their new duty pistol. Now, I don't know. It says during the LATB, LA, fuck it, the LAPD handgun trials, FN competed against several contenders in a 20,000 round count endurance qualification, which it surpassed with zero malfunctions, they said, exceeding all the standards of the LAPD sought in their new duty pistol with a high performance standard to meet. So that that is interesting. 20,000 rounds with that, a single malfunction? I'm, I'm curious. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And the only that, reason I don't buy it is there's been so many people that have had issues with the 509 striker breaking within 5,000 rounds that other companies have actually had to come out with a new striker to fix the issue. I don't think FN's ever addressed the issue. But well, now, see, this is the MRDLE, which is, I guess, a different model. It's got suppressor height sights, optic cuts. It's got cuts a flat face you, trigger. It's got, yeah. So, I mean, it could be a different model than, I guess, the the regular 509. Yeah. So, uh, maybe that would help it. Uh, adapted Possibly. from the original development from the U.S. Army handgun trials. Hmm. Either way, yeah. it's very interesting that they're going with the FN-509, despite, you know, the issues that the FNS was having. Yes, and, and see, that when I first read this uh, title... I was thinking, and for some reason, when I read 509, I just automatically thought in my head, FNS. So I was like, man, I'm surprised they're going with that because, you know, what was it? Like Arizona State Police um, had humongous issues where, you know, it was, uh, you know, discharging, uh, you know, just by being dropped like on any surface whatsoever. And then also just like a little press in the muzzle, uh, you know, would take the uh, handgun out of battery. And it wouldn't press the trigger. So, like, if you, yeah. you, know, like you would not up. get a live trigger afterwards. I was able to do that. That was an issue I was having with my 509 or my. <laughs> now I'm doing it. My FNS compact. I was yeah. having that issue left and right. I'd push the battery or the slide slightly out of battery. It would go back home and the trigger would not reset. Yeah. So, I get, I mean, you know, the, the 509 is a completely different handgun. Uh, I personally think it, from all the features and options that it, it, it offers, I really do like the 509. Uh, I would like to get a 509 probably in the near future. Um, but, you know, the fact that it's saying it went through 20,000 rounds, I, you know, on it, quite honestly, I might have to reach out to somebody and see if I can get uh, the parameters of their test. Yeah, I'd really like to know some more information about the testing. And that's just because, like, I don't even think – I think the – no, I mean, it's possible, I guess, I could get to 20,000 rounds without failure, but with everything that's gone on with the 509 since it came out, I'm just not... I, I'm skeptical. I'm a huge skeptic on this right now. Because I yeah. don't think a 509 can make it 20,000 rounds without any issue. That's, you know, I've shot a 509. I've, I've spent quite a bit of time with a 509 Tactical. Um, I've had an FNS in the past, and just looking at everything with, that, with those firearms... I'm not saying it's a bad gun. Right, like I don't want anyone misinterpreting what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say that it's a bad gun. I just don't think it's that good of a gun that it could pass twenty thousand rounds without any sort of failure. I'm just yeah. not buying it, especially I, with how the mags are. And I wonder what other guns were in the competition. Obviously, Glock, um, probably Smith, definitely Sig. Um, trying to think, maybe probably probably wouldn't have a CZ in there. No, I doubt it. They might Beretta might try to throw something in because I know Beretta is still hurting after they didn't get the uh, military contract. 
Oh, yeah, dude. I, honestly, I would not be surprised if I see Beretta out of the handgun market within 10 years. I don't, you know, I think I think Beretta's going to stay. I just, I know the Nano line's going to disappear. I got, I got independent confirmation on that. Um, so the Nano line is going to be going away. I believe the APX, there's a rumor that the APX is going to be being dropped. Yeah, and, and see, the, that all it would leave was the 92 series, right? No, they'd still have the PX Forced series. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that one is kind of interesting. A lot of people love that, but... It's just ugly. I mean, all their polymer guns are just ugly as fucking sin to me. It, look, Beretta, like, I'm getting a 92X compact soon. But nice. I can fully say... Well, hopefully soon. I can fully say that Beretta, Beretta's designers, handgun designers specifically, are boomers. Yep. They don't give a shit about anything that's modern. If they did... It wouldn't have been Land and Tactical that came out with the Optics Ready Cup for the PX4, the Beretta 92. They wouldn't have waited until the 92X series to dovetail that front sight. Yeah. But it's ta- it takes them way too long to add things that were stock 20 years ago on everything else. They need to advance with the times, get with the times, and then they might actually stand a chance. But until then, they won't. But... I. I'm just curious. I think that they probably threw the 92 series into the old 80s Army handgun uh, testing and just accidentally won. I didn't think they actually thought they had a chance, probably. Dude, I'm, I'm not sure. I do know I did see the original testing paperwork for that a long time ago, and it was interesting. The 226 and the 92 series both graded the same on that test, but then the HKP7 blew both of them out of the water, which was kind of surprising. Yeah. You know, with the 509, I think, like, outside of this story, I think if FN would come out and they'd make the optics ready model priced a little bit more competitively, like, you know, say 550, so that way it competes with the MMP, I think it would be more popular than it is right now. Even if it's around that 7 to 750 line, I think people yeah. would be willing to pay that extra 100 to $200 for FN versus the MMP or maybe even a Glock. Um, well, even like Glock MOS, like it's gonna be about that same price range. But you know, yeah. if they could keep it competitive with that Glock MOS, I think FN would do great in the oh, American yeah, they market. They would. They would do phenomenal in the American market if they could do that, and they could keep their fucking mags on the shelves. Jesus yes. Christ! Or like, and I know, like, I'm gonna get hate with this, but like, I have a shit ton of Pro mags for MMP, and I like them. That you know, they were cheap. They work great. I've I've had no issues with MMP Pro mags, uh, but you know if there was some sort of aftermarket form, um, and that's that's something else. You know, whenever you're looking at uh, you know whatever it may be, fucking uh, FN, CZ, um, Beretta, you know the aftermarket. There's like no aftermarket, and even like honestly with MMPs nowadays, you know MMPs aftermarket is kind of being taken over by sig you know there's a ton more sig aftermarket now than there yeah. is for mnps even though but i think that's like, because of the military co- contract but to be you know to be to be fair with the mmp you can still find basically every single part that you need if anything yes. breaks yes which you just, can't do with the 509 just the only thing like with glock and starting to be with sig like you know oh i want uh, a flat trigger in this color Oh, you know, you can find it for that. You know, you can find a flat trigger for M&P, but it's only going to be this color. 
you know it's like, yeah just yeah. not as much selection if you get what i'm saying it's not a huge deal but it, i kind of hate it just because i really do like m&ps i mean of all the guns that i have those fit the best in my hand and i got fucking huge gorilla hand you know dude and, m&ps are great like I'm, I'm happy i finally tried one out yeah and i mean like they're phenomenal but the, the support isn't there like you would think it would be I mean, yes. I, I know Glock has, you know, 60% whatever of law enforcement contracts, but Smith & Wesson has a fair amount of contracts as well. They do. And, they absolutely and, do. Well, yeah, and with that with that amount of contracts that they have, it's surprising the lack of aftermarket support there is for it. It's And it's surprising that Smith & Wesson is so bad about keeping magazines in stock. I really well, wish they would just tell Metgar, hey, go ahead and sell these on your own. Yeah. yeah. So Because, I mean... Let's let, let's be real. The people that bitch about magazine prices are the people that don't care if it, it as long as it's a good mag, they will buy it. The people that don't bitch about magazines are going to continue magazine prices are going to continue to pop pay for the name brand magazine. Yes. Um and honestly, I think the problem with Smith for a while was the fact that they were bought by Great American Outdoors. You know, once they were kind of bought by Great American Outdoors, you didn't really see a whole lot from them. But now that they're kind of being on their own, you're starting to see some more stuff come out from M&P. Yeah, they're actually about to be coming out with something new, but I do not know what it is. They hinted it on Instagram yesterday. Yeah, so I mean, <coughs> pardon me. The fact that they are on their own again, I think is great for Smith & Wesson, and I'm, I'm ecstatic, honestly. I think that's great for... The gun community as a whole but anyway lapd choose the fn f09 uh that is cool but the you know something that a lot of people don't realize is that you know you have like 20 year officers with the mpd or it's not mpd fucking lapd um and you still have uh you still have people carrying around beretta 92s you still have people yeah. carrying around smith and wesson uh, like, what was it? The God, I'm drawing a blank right now. 5906. Thank you. Uh, you know, you still have a lot of people carrying those older type of guns just because, you know, it said it in the news article. There's over 10,000 uniformed officers. So can you imagine, you know, the cost to outfit every officer with a brand new handgun? So what they do is they order them in batches, probably like 500 to 1,000, and then they issue out the new FN 509s with new officers coming onto the streets, or if there is a mechanical issue with the officer's duty weapon and they have to get a new one, or if there's a shooting and they have to take the duty weapon away from the officer and they have to give them a new one, that's that's how they'll be trickling into the department. Um, so I'll be interested, to, honestly, I'll be interested to see what the uh, LAPD officers say about it once it starts getting issued out. Yeah, and it's gonna be what's gonna be really interesting is I know you're a P320 fan. I like my P320. I had my gripes with it, but whatever. But what's gonna be interesting is the LAPD is one of the largest agencies, if not the largest agency in the United States. And it's gonna be very interesting seeing what issues they might be able to pull about yes. with the 509. And the reason I say that is you got a whole bunch of podunk departments out there that are having, and I'm not gonna say it's the P320's fault. But they're having issues with discharges with the P320. They didn't have them before with Glock. They didn't have them before with whatever. Now they're having them with the P320. I'm going to be very curious to see 
whether or not that is an issue that ends up coming with the 509, especially considering the issues that are happening with the FNS and how, you know, we both know and we both understand that these gun manufacturers will, will recycle parts if they can from previous pistols so that way they don't have to sink that much more money into R&D. And new machining saw, and all that kind of shit. Yep. Yeah, which we saw with Walther going from the PPQ to the PDP. They're like, oh yeah, we fixed, we, we fixed the issue where uh, if you push the slide into something and then it went back into battery, you'd have a dead trigger. We fixed that issue. Well, there's a few forum threads going over how they didn't, and it's because they're still using the same striker assembly and the same trigger. So using both of those together and the same sear, if I remember correctly. So using those three parts together, you know, they're still having the same exact issue because they decided to you know, be a little stingy and not invest in any more R&D or tooling or what have you. I think you're still spicy at Wall. No, no, actually, this was uh, some one of the guys that were friend Tio. He actually sent me a handful of like screenshots from a, I'm going to say popular forum without saying the name, where a guy in Arizona was actually talking about it and he was he's like responsible for determining the uh determining whether or not pistols are fit for duty use for the entire state of arizona and he was okay. pointing out these issues i'll have to i'll send you the screenshot yeah and you're exactly right i mean you're always going to have the you know the boots on the ground they're always going to find the fuck-ups of what's going on with whatever service pistol and you know, SIG never found out what was, you know, wrong, like what was the problem with their service pistol because they're not going to be able to come up with every, you know, idea of what is going to happen with that firearm once it's in duty use. So it's going to take, you know, boots on the ground to put it through the ringer and see exactly how it handles in those type of situations. Definitely. I'm very interested to see what's going to go on. I mean, it's. It's going to be a wild ride, I, I think. Oh, yeah, and especially in LAPD where you got so many fucking people that don't really know how to handle firearms that are going to be handling firearms. So you're going to get the, you know, not the that brightest crayons. The the, yeah, you're not going to get the brightest crayons in the box whenever it comes to that type of shit. So going on into the next article, this one comes to us from the state.com. And Governor McMaster cites constitutional freedoms at signing for new South Carolina open carry gun law. So South Carolina now has open carry, which is great. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of open carry personally. I'm not going to do it. But I think we as a, a freedom-loving Americans and Second Amendment supporters should have that option there. Yeah, definitely. And I do think, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting that South Carolina is opening up the ability for people to open carry before they even recognize any other state's permits. Yeah, that is that is that is that is there as well. Yeah, and it's kind of annoying because it's like, you know, I kind of wouldn't mind going to South Carolina and seeing the sights, but at the same time, it's like, why I mean, you guys are super conservative. Why don't you respect my rights? Even is it cuz I'm not I mean, it's because I'm not a resident, but why? I thought we were in this together. I thought we were family. Yep. Because we're in the yep. same country. But apparently, South Carolinians, or whatever the fuck you want to call them. Carolinians. Carolinians, and just, I got just you, as fam. stupid. Just as stupid. Don't care about me or my rights, or see me as an American. They only see themselves as Americans, so pff, fuck you. Tell us how you really feel. I mean, 
I could go. I can get sassier if you want me. I, I might like it like that. Exactly. <laughs> Going on into the next article, this comes to us from the New York Post, and this is just amazingly, amazingly dumb, is what I can say. Uh, a DC man posts his quote-unquote ghost gun on Instagram and is arrested minutes later. So this guy obviously was already on police's radar to have that kind Star of, uh, you know, seriously. Uh, it also had a blue giggle switch, which makes it from a fully automatic to or semi-automatic to a fully automatic. And he posts all the shit on Instagram. And DC, <laughs> DC, uh, you know, busted in his house later and arrested him. So obviously, you know, fuck the ATF and their rules and you know these kind of things. But you got to be smarter than that, Hoss. You got to be got to be smarter than that. Yeah, look, I'm like I push non-compliance. I'm I'm a very big believer in non-compliance and its uh, benefits towards getting specific legislation uh, backtracked. We've seen it work very well in a lot of states for marijuana laws. But you can't be a dumbass with it. You gotta be smart. Like, don't like if you got a full auto, don't <laughs> don't post on Instagram that you got a full auto, especially if you don't have the license for it. Well, exactly, and then not only that. You know, D.C., I believe they do have laws against uh, 80% firearms there. So, you know, he, he violated multiple local and state laws and just kind of flaunted it. And I guess was expecting to fuck around and found out. And he found out. And now his, ass, is, his ass found out and he is in jail. So be smart. Be smart about that shit. I just thought that was kind of the, the dumbass of the day. Uh, speaking of dumbasses. Uh, our final story comes to us from the Washington Post. I'm not going to lie. I, I, w- I was thinking, like, when you said speaking of dumbasses, I thought you were about to mention something I did. I'm really happy that that's not where that was going. What'd you do? Just go ahead and tell us what dumbass thing did you do. I mean, okay. Oh, no. I didn't do anything stupid, but I'm having a cylinder five misfire, if that counts. Dude, you have I mean, the shittiest luck on vehicles. I know, I know, and I think it's I think it's the coil pack. I think it's the coil pack. But do you do all this work yourself? Certain. I mean, no, not on my own. I'm not that stupid. Like I'm a dumbass. Are don't you? get me wrong. Like I understand how how retarded I am. I have no no illusions about that. Um, no, I have a buddy that helps me, and he's actually a qualified mechanic. <laughs> so you're saying he's the dumbass? I mean, what's your buddy's <laughs> name? I will let him know that he that you are calling him a dumbass on this show right now. <sighs> I'm not going to say he's a dumbass because he kind of taught me some things last night. Like, how oh, taught you some things? Yeah, like, Did I didn't go know how to deep? take a... Yes, but <laughs> also, I didn't know how to take a coil pack out, embarrassingly enough. And then he showed me how to take it. He's like, yeah, just yank on it. I'm like, oh. Just yank on it? Yeah, he's like, just yank on it. I'm like, oh. I just yanked yank, on just, it. And just I thought yank I on broke it until the white stuff comes Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened. Just yank on it until the white stuff comes out. That's exact. That's the answer to everything. Yank on it until the white stuff. Comes out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't, if you don't yank on it until the white stuff comes out, then you're doing it wrong. Oh my god. Anyway, last article comes from the Washington Post, and this is a whole bunch of horseshit. And this is titled "Is Mexico sues U.S.-based gunmakers over flow of arms over across border." Now, this is a lawsuit filed in federal court in Boston which I guess maybe there's a Mexican consulate in Boston. Uh, they are suing Smith & Wesson, uh, Barrett, Beretta, Glock, and Colt. 
uh, and they are looking to receive $10 billion in damages. Now, I'm interested to see if this would, you know, basically what they're saying is that these gun manufacturers are producing weapons knowing that they cross the border into Mexico and is responsible for many of the violence and death in Mexico over their drug cartels. Now, I highly doubt that the drug cartels have a contract with Smith and Weston, Barrett, Beretta, Glock, and Colt. Uh, but I guess they're, I don't know, it's the same stupid fucking gun control logic whenever there is a type of, you know, lawsuit against any gun manufacturer for a mass shooting. Uh, and the Mexico is trying to, I guess, uh, this is, I guess, you know, what this reminded me of when I read this is Trump's stupid claim that he's going to make Mexico pay for the border wall that didn't get finished and that Mexico didn't pay for. I wonder if this is some sort of, you know, Mexican politician down there in Mexico saying that I'm going to make Americans and these gun manufacturers pay for the gun violence in Mexico when obviously it is the ineptness of the Mexican government to go after these cartels. And you mean the cartels the, that they're paying and funding to yes, do what the they're doing? Yes, and the corruption, man. Like, you know, it's it's the same bullshit uh, that, you know, that's going on in Afghanistan. It's, you know, like, and I'm telling you, man, the shit that's going on in Afghanistan this week is just disheartening as fuck for me uh, because I know people that have, you know, lost their lives over there. And, you know, just seeing this kind of bullshit where the pol- it's the politicians that are you know, allowing this to happen, you know, lining their pockets, just like with Wayne LaPierre and the NRA, they're lining their pockets and letting the corruptness and the rot from inside happen. And they're trying to find a scapegoat. They're trying to make it seem like they're, uh, you know, and something else, the suit is they're trying to, to seek tighter controls on sales and better security features on weapons. So basically the Mexican government in a U.S. federal lawsuit is trying to impose gun control on Americans. Go fuck yourself. That yeah, kind of shit. Oh, my God. That, that is the, insane. The funniest part about all this is they're saying like Smith & Wesson and Cole. It's like, okay, American names, but neither of them are American-owned anymore, right? Like Smith & Wesson is still owned by a British company. Colt's now owned by a Czechoslovakian company. And while they're doing this, they're purchasing guns from SIG USA, not SIG Sauer Germany or Switzerland, which I think Germany got shut down, if I remember correctly. But yeah, so they're buying guns from SIG USA, but then they're going to sue Smith & Wesson, Cole Barrett, and whoever else. It's like, you know, you're not actually suing an American manufacturer minus maybe Barrett. Like, you're really not hitting the nail on the head here, but then again... You can't expect politicians that fund cartels to hit anything on the head because they're usually pretty stupid. Well, in, in something that they're constantly talking about in this article is the Barrett 50 caliber rifle, um, which, you know, is a monster of a weapon. But honestly, you know, how most of these people are getting these firearms is you Operation know, they, Fast and Furious? Not even just that, but like especially the heavy guns is you know, you have these uh, you know, cartel members that used to be part of the Mexican military. You know, if you look at, there's numerous articles written about this, is that many of the top cartel soldiers used to be Mexican special forces. And what they did is they go into the Mexican military, they get their training, 
And then the soonest chance they can get, they set up, you know, maybe start getting bribes by the cartel. And then eventually they just, you know, drop their uniforms, take their equipment with them, and they go into the cartel, you know, as a soldier there. And they take their equipment with them, whether it be NVGs, uh, body armor, all that kind of stuff. You know, all that stuff is taken with them. And then not only that, you are right. Like, you know, they're... They're, not only are they getting it from America, but they're also getting it from, you know, other corrupt politicians and militaries in Central America, in South America. You know, it's not like they're just getting it from, you know, how hard would you think it'd be for a fucking, you know, stack of, of you know, army, you know, military style weapons, you know, Barrett 50s, fully automatic um, capable M4s, that kind of stuff to cross from the United States border into the Mexican border, unless you are part of Operation Fast and Furious, where you are, you know, have basically the United States government's blessings to do that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's coming from corrupt political and military uh, leaders down there in Latin America. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even that, even if it is coming from the United States, it's crossing that border illegally to begin with. Like, yeah, you know, it's like murder is already illegal. You know, you aren't going to see <laughs> If murder is illegal, people are still shooting each other to kill each other. But murder is illegal. Well, I mean, I don't know. The common sense is, is lacking in a lot of people, especially government officials. Well, and, you know, people are always saying, you know, border patrol, border security, all that kind of stuff. And that's to keep from, you know, uh, illegal immigrants and uh, narcotics to coming in from the United States. They should also be pushing the virtue of border security to prevent this kind of stuff from going into Mexico. You know, if you can cut off the flow going both ways, that's how you put a hit on the cartels down. And yeah, but we both know that the DEA and our government likes to work with it with, with one specific cartel at a time to move their uh, agenda forward. It's wild. And if you want to get into conspiracies, man, that's, that'll turn into another hour long podcast. And so yeah. I, conspiracies to me are entertaining as fuck i'm not necessarily i believe in them but i know a ton of conspiracies just because i like to read them and for entertainment's sake honestly it's not like i said it's not necessarily like i believe in them it's just entertainment as hell entertaining so well i mean if i remember correctly it's like it's not a conspiracy that they did fund uh Whatever cartel it was that was going after El Chapo, or was it yeah. El Chapo? It was, one, it was either him or uh, it was the guy from Colombia. What's his name? Medellin. Yeah, no, I mean, no, but El Chapo is not the guy that Narcos was based off of. Uh, it's um, Pablo Escobar. Escobar, yes. Like they, they fund, it was Pablo Escobar's enemy that the United States government funded to try and go after Pablo Escobar. Yeah. I mean, so that's it, known. Yeah, I mean, there's, God, there's we really tons of that derailed kind of stuff. a little bit, didn't we? <laughs> we really did, dude. Going from the the 509 to talk about Smith and Wesson's for a long time, and then all of a sudden now we're talking about fucking narcos and and conspiracy theories and shit. Well, that, that's about Speaking it, man. Of narcos on today's cultural culture segment. I'm just kidding. I'm not the one that's in charge of that. <laughs> oh, we should do it, man. We we should definitely do that one. Uh, that's that's a good good thing, especially you know they they just said they're going to be doing a new narcos season. So are they? Uh, Yes, they're going to continue with the Narcos in, um, whatchamacallit, the, oh, God, what am I trying to say? Help me out. In Mexico, the Narcos in Mexico, because you know, Interesting. Uh, the first season was all about, um, uh, 
you know, Pablo Escobar uh, in Colombia. But now the second season, they went to like Narcos in Mexico, uh, talking about El Chapo, and they are going into uh, the Narcos. They're continuing with Narcos in uh, Mexico. So it's pretty cool. And actually, I'm sorry, there is actually one more thing uh, that we're going to talk about in this main segment. And this comes to us from Gat Daily. And not to flex or anything, uh, because I've shot most of these guns, but it is I thought it was interesting because these are really five cool guns to shoot before you die. These are really cool guns. So we're going to be going down the list. Uh, the first one is a Thompson M1 45 ACP in full auto. Now, this truly is an amazing gun. Uh, I've shot one of these uh, when I was getting firearms instructor certified. Um it was really cool. It was in the FBI armory, uh, and it was, you know, it's been around since Prohibition era, but because it's an NFA item now, uh, it's not like they can do a whole lot with it, so it just kind of stays in their armory, and uh, it is a super cool gun to shoot. It is heavy as fuck. You know, I remember when I was holding it and I was shooting it, I was thinking, fuck, man, I could not imagine being like a World War II soldier and having to carry this gun along with a couple of stick mags and having to walk around Europe with this fucking thing because it was heavy. But it was nice because it was so heavy, there was like no ride to it. It stayed on target. I believe it would. I mean, especially with it only being a forty-five with how much that damn thing weighs. Yeah. Uh, the next one is a HK MP5 in full auto. Now, these things are cool as hell because the MP5, first off, is just an iconic-ass fucking weapon. But the uh, HK MP5, especially in full auto, now that mug rides up, rides up into, uh, for me, it would be up into the left. So uh, it, it does ride up. So it was it was pretty cool shooting that thing. I actually shot that twice. What was cool is when I was like a, uh, a kid in Boy Scouts, um, I went to my local police and the SWAT did a like a, a thing for us for like a merit badge or some shit. And we got to shoot uh, 10 rounds a piece on a fully auto MP5 when I was like 12 or 13. Oh, dude, that'd be so badass. It was it was extremely badass. And then since then, uh, I've gotten to shoot a couple more since then. And they're, they are really cool. Uh, the next one is a minigun. Now, I have not shot this. It, this is kind of like a dream, but it's like one of those things that you could probably spend $500 in ammunition and it'd be over in 10 seconds. You know, it's, it's you know, really cool, iconic. Uh, the next one is the M2 Browning Mod Deuce. Uh, now, I, I have been behind one of these in the military. They are really cool. Uh, you know, the sitting on your ass and, you know, got your legs propped up against the, the, uh, the stands there and just, you know, push the paddle down and thump, 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 thump. it's really fucking cool and finally a true custom 1911 now when i say i've shot a true custom 1911 i shot a nighthawk that my buddy ordered uh and that was super fucking smooth like the the trigger pull oh it was like butter it was like a hot knife going through butter man it was Super smooth, super cool. Uh, it you know was accurate as fuck, and uh, I think it was like the grips he had on it. The only thing I really remember about that, besides the trigger pull, uh, was the grips like just tore the fuck out of my hand, and it was because he had some weird ass grips to it. Um, but it was super cool, super awesome. I mean, Nighthawk for I think he spent like almost five grand on that thing, and it was like a six to eight month wait list. Uh, it was really cool. Uh, so. That, I just thought that was cool. 
on there. Like a lot of these guns, you can go out and shoot at uh, you know certain ranges and stuff like that. And if you get a chance, do it. Especially you know Thompson, the MP5, um, you know that kind of stuff. You can easily do those at ranges uh, that have rental guns. A lot of rental ranges have those weapons that you can shoot just because they know those are money maker type firearms. I would say I would add one to the list, and that's just the H-57. That's what I was going to ask. What would you add? Actually, no. You know what? I'm going to add two. One of them is going to be the Beretta M9. You know, I know almost everyone has shot one, but if you haven't, it's worth shooting because it's a very interesting gun. Like, with how high the bore axis is, you know, you think it's going to have a whole lot of felt recoil, and the amount of muzzle flip that you can get if you aren't a conditioned shooter is going to contradict the amount of felt recoil that you have. It's it's really odd in my opinion. Now, I would say two guns that I would add to it would be a full auto Chris Vector just because of the recoil. Uh, it was very interesting when I shot one. Um, another one that I would add is a full auto FNP90 just because of our buddy uh, Ron's recent post about it. Yeah, I mean, I would, I did not, but I definitely would agree about the P90 because of just how unique it is. Yes, I mean, it's got to be something else to have. Literally, literally, if if you don't know what a P90 is, if you have one that's that's the correct barrel length, it's almost like holding what would be an uh, what would be a good version of or a good M4 variant. Because the military uses a 10.5 inch and some anyway, it'd be like. It'd be like holding a a ten point five inch AR fifteen. There we go. Yeah, bull. But with it being a bullpup, it's literally like you're just holding a handgun. Yep. And that is my unicorn to be honest. Like I really want one. I was I've been thinking about getting a PS ninety, and then just filling out the tax stamp for SBR and just getting a ten and a half inch barrel. My my. My unicorn, I think, is going to have to be... I'm going to say it's the Styrog. Ooh, now those are pretty cool. I haven't shot one of those. But um, I listened to a podcast with Ryan Kleckner on it recently. And he was talking about an IWI Tavor X95. Uh, and to me, though, I've held Tavors before and I've shot them. And they are interesting. I do like the bullpup design. And, you know, a lot of people like to shit on the IWI Tavors. And he made an interesting... Uh, argument that stated that the i you know people bitching about the iwi divorce nowadays is basically he because you know he's an older fella so i'm not saying like you're a boomer but you know he's like in his 40s um is like he said it was the same argument that people had back in the early 90s in reference to glocks you know when they were saying oh they're just you know plastics piece of shit the triggers suck all this kind of stuff but he said like you know if you're looking for a good you know, like CQB rifle and what you're looking for is basically everything that you want is in that IWI to work. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the thing, you know, a lot of people like to bitch about bullpups in general. They're like, well, you might as well just get an AR. It's like, look, if you, all the specialized police across the world, minus in the United States, for the most part, when they need something that's for close quarters, they want a bullpup. They usually gravitate towards something like the FAMAS or the Styrog, or the Tavor. They gravitate towards things like that. The other thing is, your profile while you're holding one of these is substantially smaller than it is when you're holding a uh, M4 or an AR with a comparable barrel length. You can literally, you can literally get a Styrog, and let's say they had 
a 300 blackout variant. You could chop that barrel down to like 8 inches and have a suppressor. And that thing is going to be as long sticking out. I mean, what? It would be maybe like 6 inches sticking out from your body. 10 inches sticking out maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's an insanely small profile in comparison to what the alternative is. And it's something a lot of people don't realize uh, when you're looking at 5.56 is if you're shooting out anything less than a 14.5-inch barrel, you're basically fucking up the velocity. You're defeating the purpose of the 5.56 itself. You know, that was designed for a 16-inch barrel. And there's a reason why the military hasn't gone really anything less than 14.5. Right. I mean, they only do it for, like, certain very specific scenarios yes and even and then now they're starting to pick up their under blackout yes exactly so you know to me you get the the smaller profile of the iwi tavor and you know or a styrog whatever it may be but you still have that full 16 inch length barrel to get that Which all that velocity fantastic. that you needed it's perfect it's mwah, perfect yeah yeah i mean and i mean i don't i guess i understand why people like to rag on them but at the same time they have their place I understand that they use proprietary parts. I understand yep. that those parts can be difficult to come across, but mission drives the gear. That's something that everyone likes to say, but then they want to shit on bullpups, even though a bullpup would be superior for home defense compared to an AR. Yeah, and, and not only that, you know, if it's just like with anything, the popularity grows, the aftermarket drives, and you know, there might be proprietary parts. But I guarantee you somebody can make some sort of work around to where they can have a part that is as functional or better that can work in the same situation. And exactly. I, I I mean, work, you know? Yeah. I mean, we see that with the 509. Their their striker was terrible to start off with. And then Apex makes a striker that's better yep. and it's cheaper. You yep. can actually find it. Absolutely. So with that, that is going to be the end of our main segment. Let's go ahead and start getting into the gun gear news and reviews. Oh, I gotta take you off. Alright, well, I have some gun news. I don't have anything really to review, um, but I have some interesting stuff that I found on the interwebs that I thought would be cool to talk about. Uh, the first one comes to us from the Firearms blog, and it's uh, Rifle Speeds AR-15 Gas Controls. Uh, now, these are basically, uh, you know, they look like muzzle flashes, like muzzle devices, um, but it's it's to help with suppressed, uh, you know, long guns to help the gas blowback. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of, of specialty nomenclature in regards to this, and I'm not going to try and pretend like I'm no, like, you know, I'm not going to just spout it out, basically, to try and, and uh, you know, make myself seem smart or, you know, maybe have other people that maybe aren't familiar with it in regards to uh, overgassed and suppressors. Uh, you know, we had uh, the owner of uh, Silencer Shop on, and uh, so it's, it's pretty interesting. It was the, uh, you know, I'm not in the NFA market yet. I, I'm very, I'm like, 
dipping my toe into it. I found the ones that I want. Uh, I'm just kind of probably waiting for around Black Friday to hopefully get some sort of, of nice sales going on and probably go ahead and, and put my uh, NFA application in, start getting the tax stamp and all that kind of stuff. I like, already have like the, the cards to get my um, fingerprints done and everything that I needed to do. Uh, but, you know, having read all this kind of stuff, I have uh, heard of the problems of gas blowback in regards to suppressed weapons. Uh, I've shot several suppressed weapons. I, you know, I, I, you smell it, but it's, you know, I guess what I've had is, you know, and these are all from like dealers. So they know kind of what they need to do in regards to uh, have their weapons and their suppressors uh, ideally you know, for whatever kind of, of range day for vendors and all that kind of stuff. So it's not that much of a blowback. But, you know, I, I've had problems. You know, I've heard people had problems before with gas blowback. Have you shot anything, Mike, where it, you've had blowback that's been a real problem? Oh, yeah. I mean, my uh, I have a family member that has a few suppressors. And the blowback on an AR is absolutely insane. Like, you have, and I mean, it, I, think his, I think his rival's a little overgassed. But just shooting yeah. it, the amount, the, the smell of ammonia, like, it's almost like when you're shooting it and you get the blowback, it's almost like someone cut onions right next to you. Yeah, and these aren't that bad. I mean, when you're looking uh, for them, you're, uh, at the pro- time of this, their MS- MSRP is 250 but they, you know, you can find them for about uh, $200, which isn't too bad whenever you're thinking, you know, I just spent like five to $1,000 on the suppressor. Uh, including the tax stamp, and I want to make sure that I can enjoy it when I go shoot it. So, you know, an extra $200 to make sure that you get the best um, shooting experience at the range, that's not that bad, to be honest with you, in, in my opinion, especially if you have dedicated cans. Definitely no. No, it doesn't. That would not be a bad price. Oh, God damn it. I accidentally closed off the next one by accident. Um, anyway, it, I know exactly what it is. Galco uh, comes out with new holsters that allow for red dots. Uh, I thought it's that was about pretty... time. Yeah, no shit, right? I, I kind of feel with you on that. Um, Galco is is a stalwart in the holster brand. Um, you know, they are like the leather finishes, but they have you know the uh, structured frames inside, so that way they help stay. Uh, you know, you know, it's not like a floppy ass leather holster. Uh, Galco is one of the you know brands up there, like with Safari Land. Um, What's another stalwart that I'm thinking about? Mike, help me out. Another what? You broke up there. Another what? Another like big holster brand. Mm, another big holster Got like holster Safari brand. Land, Galco. Seventeen ninety one gun leather. Bianchi? Yeah, Bianchi's Bianchi? a good one. That's what I'm thinking of. I, yeah, yeah. I, th- I don't think they've... Wait, what's this in regards to again? I, I spaced out there for a second. You're killing me, Smalls. Fucking quit playing Pokemon. Goddamn. <laughs> I know it's an Eevee event. I'm actually, you know what? I'm actually done with Pokemon Go. I think. What in the actual fuck? Why? Uh, well, uh, I just spend way too much time on it, man, and it's ruined the regular games for me. Fucking sad, sad as fuck. I know. Anyway, I know. Third tangent of the day, uh, of the of the podcast, but you know the Galco uh, Red Dot holsters. Uh, like I said, Galco's a great brand. You know, you're not gonna break the bank when getting them. Like I just bought a. Uh, a recent uh, duty holster for Safari Land. Mine was like, you know, a little over $100. Uh, and that's, you know, uh, red dot capable level three with a uh, 
X300 Surefire Light. Uh, Galco, you're looking probably around like seventy to ninety dollars. So I mean, you're looking at a great holster for that price. It's about fucking time they decide to come out with red dot sight capable, just because of the fact that again, I think if you don't have anything handgun related that is suppressor height sights, threaded barrel, and or optic cut, if you don't have one or all those three, you're wrong. Just because of the fact of today's market, you need to have that kind of stuff because that is where things are going. Uh, going into the next one, Canic. Uh, Canic introduces, I don't know, the Meat series or the Meti series, M-E-T-E. I don't, I don't know how you pronounce that. I don't uh, fucking know. I mean, Canic has been kind of killing it lately. I'm not going to say that they're up there, but, you know, Canic, especially their FX, SFX series, um, you know, I've heard lots of great things about them. I've shot one. It, it's it's pretty decent. You know, it's I would say it's probably maybe a l- right there or a little higher in regards to trigger pull of out of the box Glock. Um, this almost looks like a, uh, a CZ in my opinion, uh, but it's got the uh, 18 or 20 capacity for your magazine. Nine millimeter, obviously barrel length is uh, just under five and a half. Overall length is just over si- uh, seven and a half. Um, it's 27.9 ounces. So a little bit on the heavier side, MSRP of 520. Uh, and then they have others uh, where you can have longer barrels uh, with comp ports up top for 575. I think Canic is. Tr- it, I honestly think Canic could probably be in there in another 10 or 15 years as a you know one of the bigger name brands of handguns. I still don't understand what's special about this. It just looks like a regular TP9. Yeah, kind of. Um, you know, it's. I don't know, man. It's optic uh, ready, where you without losing your rear sight, so that's a plus. Uh, it doesn't have the flat trigger like I like. Uh, it's kind of flatter, but not. It's still a little curve into it, like the unlike the SFX. Right. Um, you got the holster fit and lock. I don't know what that's fucking. I wonder how the what what does that do? I don't know. Can't can't really see it. Uh, and then you got the extended magazine uh, with the twenty round capacity. Uh, and it's still you know in that price range. You know it's it says it's five twenty. And then 575, but I bet you um, you'll probably get the the original one for probably less than 500, and then the other one for probably around 520 to 540. Sounds almost like they're just trying to make it into an optics ready one series, if you will. But, but they already have that with the SFX. They have oh yeah, that. but well, isn't the SFX like a hundred dollars more than that? No, it's about the same price if I remember right. Yeah, so I'm still, I don't understand why they're doing this. It's almost like it's just another market play. Like, I don't see anything that's different about it between it and the TP9 SFX or what other, whatever other TP9s are optics ready. Well, but see, now the other one with the TP9 SFX that I personally don't like is that you do lose that rear sight when you uh, remove the optic, if I remember correctly. I and think they you don't. corrected that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, One of the few know, companies that actually listens, which is actually kind of sad to say because I shit on Canic all the time. But, you know, I mean, Canic is, is, a, is a fairly decent gun, in my opinion. It, it's definitely something I wouldn't, you know, take over to Afghanistan. Um, but, you know, I, I'd be interested to see it put through the torture test. Yeah, a legitimate, I mean, legitimate I would, torture test, I should say. And, you know, uh, as, as much as I shit on Canic, I will say that they do address issues as people start to point them out. Like, like they get bullied by the Internet, and they actually try to fix the issue, right? Like, with the yep. 509, FN never never acknowledged the issue with the striker system. With SIG, SIG didn't acknowledge the issue with the 
P320 until Omaha Outdoors did an actual video test. They're trying to just swipe it under the rug. People came out with Canic and they're like, hey, your firing pins are shit because they're MMM parts or whatever, MIM parts. Yep. You know, and Canic's like, look, we'll fix this. So then they turned it into a cast part and they fixed that. And then with the optics plate thing, hey, you guys are stupid for removing my fucking rear sight. And just looking at a couple of pictures, it looks like they fixed that. So, you know, Canic, I shit on you almost on a daily basis, but thank you for actually listening, I guess. And, you know, people shit on them because they're a Turkish gun. Um, but, you know, it's it's again, it's kind of like the same thing when Glock first came out. People shit on them because they're an Austrian gun. I'll be honest. The only I don't shit on them because they're a Turkish gun. I shit on them because they paired up with Century Arms. Yeah, That's but people issue. have made mistakes before. Yeah, but Sentry Arms is is the mistake that everyone's already made, and they were still like, oh, <laughs> this the, is going to be fine. Maybe the news didn't reach uh, Istanbul. You never know. Yeah, I guess you don't, but somehow the patents for the for the Walther P99 did. Hey. <laughs> good one. I'll give you that one. That was a good one. Goddamn. Well, let's go ahead and end the gun uh, gun news interview segment. And Well, first off, Mike, you got anything that you want to review that you want to talk about? I mean, the only thing that I'd really have to talk about right now um, would be the like an open versus closed emitter on optics. And and the fact that I'm probably never going to get an opening better optic again, just because of so many little caveats I found with it. Like if you if you try to rub the emitter to get it cleared with your finger and you smear it just right, it'll fuck up your dot. If you know you get water on the glass on the inside just right, you'll have multiple dots, and you're trying to figure out which one's the one that you need to use. And there's so many things with with the open emitter that I've run into where I don't understand how other people haven't. But maybe it's because I'm stupid and I break things pretty easily. But maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'm never gonna. I'm just gonna stay with the closed emitter optics. Or if it's gonna be open emitter, it's not gonna technically be open emitter because it's gonna be an RMR. RM06, which is the dual illuminated, if I remember the models correctly. Hell yeah. Alright, well that's going to be it for the gun news and reviews. Let's get into the gun culture segment. Everybody thinking I'm a maniac and I don't really understand why they saying that because I've been rapping fucking better than your favorite fucking rapper. I go dumb and I'm barely getting paid to rap. Nope, they don't ever want to see me make it out. Mm-mm. I don't really like them, I'm going to take them out. Mm-hmm. She just want the last name because I'm in a fast lane swerving too fast down a paper route. Ooh, ooh. Hold the fuck is sticking if they fucking with the give a Really fucking doubt it, little boy. You a living lie. Get the fuck out my way. Well, Mike, you inspired this one so we're just going to go ahead and say in the gun culture segment we're going to talk about narcos season one right now i really do feel like i am 4chan right because 4chan got the okay symbol to be published as being a a racial hate symbol right they got cnn to cover and everything i feel like 4chan right now because i was being sarcastic i said you know narcos and yeah and now we're here kind of like the okay symbol I, I said yesterday we were going to do the new Suicide Squad, um, right. but like now I'm thinking about it, there wasn't like a whole lot of real guns in there, so no, just a lot of Harley Quinn butt, probably. No, honestly not. Um, but like there was that uh, that black guy. Um, I can't think what else he's been. He's been in a bunch of shit, and uh, he had like some weird gun. And then fucking John Cena was in there, which it just was hard for. Honestly, it was hard for me to to take his act like his character seriously just because he was john cena um he used a lot of swords and shit 
and uh, Harley Quinn used a javelin a lot, surprisingly. Damn it. Anyway, uh, I don't know if you can hear my, my fucking girlfriend in the back. Just, just a little bit. Given, given me, she is a wealth of knowledge in regards to, like, pop culture. Yeah. Like, she just knows an actor's What's name off the top on? of my head. I don't even know because I have my headphones on. I can just hear her <laughs> in the back. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so season one, Narcos. Um, if you haven't seen this, uh, fucking spoiler alert, Pablo Escobar is killed in the end. Uh, so if you Damn, haven't noticed. Thank yeah. you. Well, it also it. happened yeah. a long time ago. You know, a funny story. So you remember that movie Friday Night Lights? Vaguely. So in Friday Night Lights, like that is from the town in Texas where I'm from. Like in, I was a, like a little baby when this was actually happening. So I was going to see this with my friends in like high school or like it might have been early college or whatever when it when uh, it came out. I was going to see this with my friends, and I told my mom I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to see this movie." And she was like, "Oh yeah, you know they lose at the end, right?" And I'm like, "What? Yeah, they lost the state championship." I'm like, "Well, fuck me. I guess now that's ruined. Like I didn't know. I was a baby. I don't remember." So yeah, Pablo Escobar <laughs> dies at the end, but it's a great. Great movie, great show, awesome, fantastic show. show. I loved it, and also fun yes. fact for all the animal lovers out there. Before we get into the guns, you're gonna mention the hippos, um, aren't you? I'm gonna mention the fucking hippos, and thank you, Top Gear, for pointing this out to me because I didn't know about this before I watched the episode of Top Gear. Pablo Escobar had his own zoo, and in his own zoo, zoo he had hippos. Well, after he was killed, the hippos ended up breaking loose, and that has caused. Colombia to have its very own hippo population. Yep. So now hippos are officially, technically speaking, an invasive species, which I believe they're the only species of their size to become seen as an invasive species. And they like merc people annually in Colombia. Oh mean, like, yeah. Hippos are like violent as fuck. And... Yep, and there's a huge divide, surprisingly, down in Colombia. There's a whole bunch of people that say, you know, we need to get rid of them. They're damaging the environment. But then there's a whole group of other people. They're like, you know, we actually kind of like them. They've kind of become our mascots. And they're actually making up for a handful of extinct species that we push to extinction. Like, they're they're causing the damage that these other species would have caused. Can you imagine, like, going hunting for hippos in Colombia? Because, like, you know, in, in fucking Florida, they hunt uh, iguanas and uh, boas. But can you imagine hunting uh, fucking hippos? That'd be wild as fuck, man. It would be absolutely nuts. Well, like, you know, alligator season is going on in Alabama now. And, like, I'm seeing all the pictures of alligators uh, being pulled out of the rivers here. Like, they just killed, like, two 13-footers this weekend. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's 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 crazy, dude, here. Like, the, the alligators. But what's crazy is there's, like, so many fucking alligators here, but they really don't bother people. Like, you'll, like, you know, where I work, like, you'll hear every now and then, like, a dog gets eaten. But that's because, like, he's going off and fucking near the river. Uh, but, like, they don't bother people here. Like, you'll see, like, a, a, an alligator swimming 20 to 30 yards away from you. But, like, they just don't fuck with you because they know you're not food. Sounds like they know how to stay alive. Yeah, don't fuck with people. Exactly. Don't fuck with people. Anyway, Narcos. Shit, man. Fourth fourth uh, derailment this podcast episode. But <laughs> um, the guns in there, obviously, this takes place in the 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s. Uh, and it's about the DEA, um, you know, hunt for Pablo Escobar. And at one point in time, Pablo Escobar made more money than GM during its heyday. In the 70s and 80s, which is just absolutely fucking insane to think about. I mean, they're still digging up 
money in Colombia that he is just buried because you know he can't deposit in a bank, so he just had like humongous warehouses and safes in his in his house that he kept money in, and he just buried it all throughout Colombia where he was at. So like there's st- they still find money that he buried back in the day. Uh, so Pablo Escobar, super interesting dude, um, and it is a gr- a fucking amazing. I mean to me the first season of Narcos is still the best, but you know the seasons following are still just as spectacular. Uh, some of the guns obviously you're gonna have the Beretta 92. Uh, you're gonna have uh, Ecol E K O L Decel, which is basically almost looks like a, a, a smaller Beretta. Uh, e K O L Ferrat Magnum, uh, Zaraki 914, uh, Six Hour 228, Star Model B, which is like a 1911 clone. Walter PPK Ecol E K O God, I cannot fucking say that E K O L Viper. Uh, and these are all like wheel guns, Smith and Wesson. Uh, yeah. You have a Zaraki nine two five. You got the Star B. Can't forget that about that. Yep. You got the uh, Mini Uzi. You got the EKOL ASI Uzi. Um, you have a Galil AR, which is pretty cool. That's what the uh, military police units are carrying. Uh, a Galil ARM, again, with the police units. M four A one carbine. Uh, CQBR MK18, uh, Colt AR15A2, uh, you have a HKG3A3, M16A2, M16A4. Uh, now, this is one of my favorite shotguns ever. Uh, again, probably unicorn gun. Uh, Frankie P88, just because of Jurassic Park. I still want the Spaz 12. Like, that one's my dream yep. shotgun. Yep. Uh, you got the Remington 870, Remington 870 with a folding stock, Benelli M3. Uh, you have an M60. Uh, you also have some rocket launchers, but uh, that is it. There are plenty of there's plenty of gunplay in, in this series, so I highly recommend that you go see it again. It's just amazing. Uh, it really is. I do want to point out, like I think my like the gun that's the most interesting to me, uh, uh, like out of this list, and there, I guess there's a couple, but that Zorkai nine one four. That one looks pretty interesting. I'd like to see one in real life. And I also like the uh, Zorkai 925, the low automatic pistol. That reminds me, uh, what's the, there's a full auto pistol that's being used right now by the Russians, I think it is. And that, pist, that, that 925 reminds me heavily of it. Interesting. That is pretty cool. Uh, but check it out. It's on Netflix. Uh, it, you know, Season 1's still on there. Season 2's on there. Uh, and you can thank Mike for this Gunch culture segment for narcos. You guys are welcome. You're very Very welcome. welcome. All right, let's start wrapping this shit up, man. I'm just a fool stuck in the past, your worst memories. I'm not ready for you to forget me. I know that I'm the best mistake you ever made. It sounds so fucking beautiful when you say my name. I'm praying to a God, a God I don't believe. I showed you all my scars that I let nobody see. Well, I greatly appreciate you for coming into another episode of the Toyota Lifestyle. My, uh, Mike, I greatly appreciate you for coming on again. Uh, we'll definitely going to have to keep doing some more collab between Just Pew's uh, podcast and the Toyota Lifestyle podcast. Uh, for it's sure. A great time, dude. Uh, definitely look forward to having you on the roundtable discussion uh, on the Patreon only to the podcast as well. Along with some, hopefully, some other friends with the, the meme chat, the meme lords. You know, I would love 
just for interest sake to have Harry on. That would be oh my peculiar god. shit. Oh he my would find, god. He would find a way to sneak a nude into it. I promise you. Oh yeah, and the, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> getting Cuomo, I'm getting Cuomo feelings all over. Oh yeah, I mean more like Cuomo on steroids. Yes, love you, Harry. Don't hate me. But, uh, so go ahead and check out our social media. We're everywhere at 2A Lifestyle. Uh, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes. If you leave us a review on iTunes, uh, we will definitely send out a sticker for you, a special hollow sticker. And we also have some other shit. We haven't done a giveaway in a long time. Uh, so we'll probably do a uh, giveaway on the podcast as well as our social medias and be looking out on the social medias. We're probably going to have to do a backup page just to make sure that the page lives on. So be looking out for that. Also go ahead and check us out at justpews.com and check us out on Patreon. Like I said, we're going to be doing an extra episode uh, in between our normal episodes where we have just kind of a roundtable discussion. We'll probably take one or two of the, the best stories in the gun community and just have a roundtable discussion and just kind of that's where we will allow ourselves to just take off on the tangents. Definitely. I do. I really do enjoy the tangent type podcasts. Absolutely, man. Mostly because so, I get to sound stupid. Well, <laughs> you know, just let it flow. Let it flow. So until then, I appreciate Mike coming on and and see you guys in two weeks and keep on enjoying that 2A lifestyle. Catch you guys later. Mm-hmm.